I should add a, a Walkman to your police belt. That would be hysterical. I've got enough things trying to pull my pants down mid-show right now. <laughs> Welcome to the Thank You Places podcast, celebrating the art of theater and the amazing people who make it happen. Join us as we sit down to talk about our experiences, the shows we see, and what's happening on the local theater scene, right here in Springfield, Missouri. Today brings us to the end of our two-part series on mine and Nathaniel's current project, You're in Town, the musical. We'll be unpacking this hilarious show's rather dark themes, and how Noelle and I translated those themes into our work. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Places. Thank Thank you, you places. places. This is the Thank You Places podcast. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm Allison, and these are my co-hosts. Noelle. And Nathaniel. So um, today we are diving into the world of Urinetown yet again. Um, which opened this weekend, and so Noelle and Nathaniel are right in the middle of the run of the show. How's that going? At this New point, good, my Josh. job is done. Yay! Except like minor repairs, and so mm-hmm. I'm so just, at just peace. like a weight off your shoulders. <laughs> Cathartic. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. but Nathaniel's my job is not so. done. Your job is not <laughs> done. My job is not done. It's oh, been, man. We're, yeah, we had opening night last night. By the time this releases, we'll have done two weekends of performances. Yeah. Um, well, Ooh, yeah, that's congrats. That's why if there's mascara in my eye, that's why. <laughs> there probably is. <laughs> Alrighty, so going to give some just quick info about Springfield Contemporary Theater, which we'll probably refer to from this point on as SCT. It's a lot less of a mouthful. Um, <laughs> and uh, so SCT gave its first public performance at the Vandevort Hotel in 1995. Did you guys know that? Mm-hmm. No. I learned oh, that last I night. <laughs> I did it. Okay. I also learned it last night. So I thought that was really interesting. So they've been going for almost 30 years now. Yeah. So it's really cool. Local theater here in Springfield. Um, and they have recently claimed the historic Fox Theater as their permanent residence. Yay. Yay. Um, they bounced around a bit before that, I think, to different venues. But they're going to do some renovations, and that's going to be their permanent home, and that's really yeah. exciting. Several years um, of renovations planned, from yeah, what I understand. Yeah, but that's really exciting. Yeah, they're going yeah. to completely... I mean, the building itself has been in dire need of reservations It's been a theater, a it's been a church, it's been... It's been several but, different yeah, things. Yeah, they're going to completely yeah. transform that building. Yeah, it's exciting. already looking a lot better. Like, really? Like, just put up a new psych... And that, mm-hmm. oh, it's beautiful. It'll be a great venue, yeah, once they kind of... Yeah, just some updates. Just give things. us some updates, yeah. yeah it's going to yeah. be But great. it's a very solid structure. Yeah, so. oh yeah, yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> SCG has actually done this production of You're in Town before, <laughs> uh, 16 years ago. And they're using some of the same costumes, some of the same props, and they're also using... The same actor for Little Sally. <laughs> um, and I have just been slightly curious about how that's been going. Did she... I mean, after 16 years, you probably wouldn't have the script still memorized, but I don't know. She's, how much did she have to do? I don't think she had to do a lot of character work. Sure, she like, had already Her voice was already there sure. for Little Sally and everything. So it's... Because, I mean, she's supposed to be playing a small child. So she has yeah, a sure. little little baby voice that she talks in the entire time. And it didn't take her very long to jump back into that. Sure. And things, awesome. Yeah. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see her. As, as She's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of Urin Town. Um, I did a little bit last podcast, but I'm going to dive deeper into more of the like literary themes and that kind of stuff this time. Um, just to recap, You're in Town debuted at the New York Fringe Festival in May of 2001 and then made its way to Off-Broadway and eventually Broadway in just five months, which is very cool. Um, You're in Town takes place in the future when a 20-year drought has led to a water shortage and a government ban on free use of public toilets, and really any toilets for that matter. Um, in the chaos, a hero rises up and a revolution takes place, but at what cost? <laughs> Much cost. Why did I listen to my heart? (laughs) Much cost. Much, much cost. Why did Um, I listen to that cad? I think that's one of my favorite lines. 
that Rebecca Cad. Sings. Cad. I don't know if I've ever heard that word before. His name is also Cladwell, so Cad. it kind yeah. of it's kind there's of a lot of words in the script yeah. that are like not our common language. Sure, like they're real words. It's not like a a Dr. Seuss made up thing. But yeah, it's just uncommon words. Not our vernacular. That's either for a rhyme scheme or just for sheer absurdity. Sure. That like well, I like, think about this, this often. Sorry, side note. Where, like, since we've been involved with the show, like, I've been reading the script, doing the stuff, I've been at rehearsals, and you're actually doing the show. Like, we know the lyrics and the words and the lines so well that we know what people are trying to articulate. Sure. Especially during fast-paced music, it makes me wonder how much I have missed seeing shows, like, once. Mm, and, yeah. like, the nuances of the words and stuff. Because, yeah. like, if it's you're t- listening to... Okay, uh... Nonstop from Hamilton. Yeah. When everyone sings different lines, like there's lines that I still don't know what yeah. they're saying. And so it's, I feel privileged that I know what all of the lines are in you're in town sure. because every single line has something like, has a, has a reason for being Definitely. There. That's part of the magic of being in a show. You get to know it so intimately. Yeah. And things that you would otherwise miss. Yeah. But, um, so of course this musical is a comedy. Um, but if you were to strip that away, and even so with the comedy, it actually has very dark themes and dark mirrors themes. a lot of social issues. Um, so we're going to dive into that just a little bit. Um, we are going to go into the themes first, and then we're going to talk about your guys' roles, uh, specific roles in the play. So musical. I hate that I just said play. Um, Come that's on, fine. Allie. <laughs> I know. You Dang a thespian or what? <laughs> it's fine. I'm pretty sure I did that. I'm pretty sure I called something like a show or like like a film. Yeah. A couple of days, like a couple episodes ago. Film. And I'm still not recovered from that. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. Nobody would have noticed. <laughs> but I would have known. Okay. So um, some of the themes are government control. Ooh. This is represented in the kind of dictatorship and um, tyrantness of Caldwell B. Cladwell. Um, he is kind of this classic, archetypal, greedy, rich tyrant who exploits the poor. It's, We've seen that before. <laughs> it's really interesting to see because the uprising with Bobby mm-hmm. and everything is definitely a socialistic uprising. Mm-hmm. Um, which we all know the joys of communism and all of that and where that leads. And so it's really interesting because like... Both sides are messed up. <laughs> yeah. Like, the rich and their tyrannical rule of everything with Cladwell and being able to control everything. But also, we know socialism doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, really interesting to see. I mean, the whole point of the show is that it's a struggle. Yeah. And the last line with Malthus, which we'll get yeah. into, of, you know, humans are going to bring their downfall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. It's For rough. Real. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. That's what I was gonna call. It. I think the 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 dictatorship and the uprising thing kind of have to be looked at, which I know we'll get into. At least for me, I always view them simultaneously because it's a it's kind of a give and take thing mm-hmm. of society. Yeah. Also, want to point out that Caldwell B. Cladwell is not a politician at all in this like it's not like a greedy tyrannical ruler he's a businessman and i think that's very very interesting Mm -hmm. yeah um especially in our present day we there are multiple rich business owners in the spotlight Mm -hmm. that have significant influence and sometimes are more or less or better or worse than uh other politicians as well yeah i mean the plot there's plot points where it's literally Fip, who is the, the senator, the senator mm-hmm. getting bribes from Cladwell. And like, there's a whole relationship there. And that's how Cladwell has kept Dang. his power by yeah. bribing the senators Your and everything. Beaches of Rio slideshow <laughs> certainly changed their mind. Was that an issue during rehearsal, Robert? The Beaches of Rio well? slideshow? No, because I didn't catch that that could have been taken differently. Oh, no, I just... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. I just... The first time that... Or, like, the first or second time that he read it, there was a laugh from our directorial team that told me that there's a lot of implications 
perhaps of the nature of that slideshow. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Of what part <laughs> oh of the beaches gosh. was featured in that slideshow? There's a lot of implication there that just somebody yeah. laughed at, and I was like, and now I think of it every time that someone says that That's he says fine. the line. <laughs> yeah. Um. So moving on to another theme, which is corrupt politicians, other people of power in a society, um, people exploiting the power that they have over people who are not in power. Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty obvious one with yeah. the police officers and the uh, and Cladwell, you know, just kind of exerting they their power. They have one, power. two, two men! <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, we have the nightsticks. <laughs> yeah, that's and exactly. Badges. Yeah, exactly. There's some police commentary so, in there too. There's yeah. definitely some, and again, it's all kind of thinly veiled under this comedy, but it's very real. It's hysterical. Like it, it yeah, it's yeah, cool. it is hysterical. Well, people will barely come to see a show called "You're in Town" the musical. I don't think anybody would come to just a pure political commentary you had to make it funny sure <laughs> very other like very if it's so. not a, if it's not a comedy it's too in the face it's Agreed. too direct all the themes and everything it's are too much so straightforward and explicit that and it's very that guise of comedy is the, to our current that guise of comedy is the only way you sell that without getting your theater burned down yeah otherwise it's just like <laughs> watching the mob. news <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's rough. yeah very rough um, so I think my favorite theme that it explores is resistance and the implication of revolution. The implications, there are multiple. Um, this one is most interesting to me because so often in these kinds of stories, the heroes went out and then you don't really see anything past that. They went out and everything turns out great and they get their happily ever after and the good guys won, yay. But sometimes the good guys... The good guys. While they He's have good. the best intentions and hearts of gold, don't always think things through. And yeah. we see that at the end of this musical. I don't know how much you guys are wanting to spoil, but... And the general plot is that, gov- you know, big government yeah. business control, there is a rebellion wanting to pee for free, and yeah. then things devolve from there yeah Yeah. we were just talking about this the other day about um about again people having a plan we were just talking about this last night actually about um ai and stuff and i was saying how i feel like ai and technology is advancing faster than society has a plan for it like we're just throwing it out there because but we don't know actually what to do with it and that's a big thing that gets explored here that happens on the the political scale i think we see this on both sides with people that want good things accomplished mm-hmm. you know they 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 want something that is going to better society but they're thinking of it in terms of right now and the most like dramatic Ooh. way that they can what if tomorrow mr strong but what if yeah what is the what like if tomorrow it can yeah. be a good For thing real. to pursue and i think the rebels pursue a very good thing but the, as the theme plays out they don't have a plan for what exactly. to do once they've won. Exactly. Yeah. And they, and I, it has to do with, I think, a pendulum swing. We see that throughout history where, where the pendulum will swing to one far extreme mm-hmm. and then it will swing to the other far mm-hmm. extreme when really most everything is about balance. And so at the end of the musical, yeah. they swing to the other extreme and they're letting, have, letting people just have you know, free reign and anything they want. And that can't be how it works either. You yeah. know, the problem with the two party system. <laughs> oh, George Washington he said, warned us. he warned us. <laughs> Don't split into parties. And what did we do? What did we, we do? You're in town. Oh <laughs> what is you're in town? You're in town's a tool. All of this brings uh, us to Malthus and Malthusianism. Malthus. Malthusianism. Malthusianism. Basically, not so enthusiasm. I'm reading directly from the Wikipedia page. Oh. Just FYI. <laughs> Malthusi- Malthusianism is the theory that population growth is potentially exponential. By the Malthusian growth model, while the growth of food supply or other resources is linear, which eventually reduces living standards to the point of triggering a population decline. Basically, when there are so many people, supply and demand becomes impossible to fulfill therefore triggering a catastrophic event which declines the population basically the natural order of things 
yeah. if you will, Mother Nature taking over. Makes perfect sense. It ma- yeah. it does. It makes perfect sense. That's and... just kind of how biospheres interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If things become too out of control, something comes to keep it in check. And that is, I think, they. I. It's. It's explicitly stated in the musical that that is a theme. Malthus is named directly. Yeah. yeah. That's literally the closing line of so the, the musical. Line. Because yeah. I mean, the whole point is that you're destined to downfall. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's even crazy. think. Or, sorry. Go ahead. I was okay. Done. I don't even think it's necessarily a commentary directly on like human resources you can make mm-hmm. it that way that's the direct one but like i think it it that malthusianism in this production at least to me just speaks to the fact that man will always be inclined towards disorder yeah in our human nature we are inclined towards disorder and and mm-hmm. messiness and things and uh, what what's the other the, the law of entropy? Like yeah. things just keep getting yeah. more yeah. and more disorderly because that's the human nature. We can't yeah. make anything good exactly. of ourselves outside of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you or, know, but like, we can't make it. Like we're just always going to be going towards chaos. Yeah, exactly. Or like one person or one group being in control of everything, it brings on the Malthusian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The dark side Catholic. of capitalism. Everything yeah. in moderation. Yeah. Everything in moderation. Everything in balance. Balance. Yep. Wow. So, <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? Ultimately, I'm like it... having those realizations in my real life just every day. <laughs> like... Really, though. <laughs> so ultimately, I think this show kind of serves as a warning. Obviously, mm-hmm. the end is kind of um, shocking a little bit. You mm-hmm. really root for these guys, and they just don't. They just don't know what they're doing, really. Especially yeah. that whole second yeah. act is just shock factor. Like, it, yeah. it gets it's, even more explicit in its theme afterwards. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like... Very much. But ultimately, it explores the perils, the most common societal structures and government systems. Focuses on people that are affected by it. Real people yeah. that are affected by it. That's one of the things that makes it unique. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that it's a satire of these political systems, but it really focuses on how it affects people's individual lives like the individual so. people yeah yeah and and with the 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 archetype people that that mo mm-hmm. talked about in our last mm-hmm. episode like the archetype people that are in the ensemble you can see every man like you should be able to find somebody in that like rebel pool yeah. that you identify with yeah i mean and also so, yeah. with it literally being about urination mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. such like everyone pees and so it's yeah. like yeah it hits home a little more need. because you're like oh I don't have to deal with that in my daily life. Like, I don't have to go out and forage for food kind of thing. But like, you do have to pee. But you, you do, do have, have to pee. pee. <laughs> Everyone has to pee. You have so to. Yeah. We all had to before we started recording. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> all right. Segwaying into a little slightly more fun um, satire of the yeah, show. let's make this happier. It, <laughs> it satirizes theater and musical theater itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, you guys obviously know the show more intimately than I do. Um, but, I mean, I, I've seen the show once, so I, I know what's kind of what's going on. The most obvious satire of musical theater comes with Officer Lockstock and Little Sally and their narration. They break the fourth wall constantly. Oh, all the time. They, the whole cast breaks the fourth wall. The whole wall. cast breaks the fourth yeah. wall. But, yeah, yeah most... But what I remember, what stood out to me was... Little Sally and Officer Lockstock, because they the break main, the, the main fourth main, yeah. wall. They make cheeky, the she cheekiest remarks. He loves her, doesn't he, Officer He's Lockstock? Like the show. She has to love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not only breaking the fourth wall, but directly calling out the devices and, and like exactly. elements yep. in the, the show mm-hmm. that are making it theater. Yep. Like, it's nothing's hidden. They no, remark no. on the show and the script itself mm-hmm. yeah. and on the characters Literally, that they're interacting with. Literally, opening lines are yeah. like, a, a poor subject matter or a sad title could also kill a exactly. show pretty bad. And Officer Lockstock's like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they, it's a wonder we're filling seats. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's called You're in Town. You know it's a crazy name and a silly premise. Uh, but again, that like blanket of comedy that allows you to be so direct is they just, the show, it's a show that doesn't, it doesn't try to take itself seriously either. Um, yeah, and again, exactly. which helps a lot with the darker themes. Again, yeah, because sure. it, that it comedy allows it, really it to well. be so direct. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Sorry, so, I cut you off there. 
What are some of the ways that you guys see musical theater or just theater in general satirized? Like we said in the last podcast, almost every song has some melody or bit in it that I'm like, (laughs) that's the Newsies tune. Or like, (laughs) that's such and such. Oh my gosh. Like not even because our choreographer, Logan, has added like several things that are specific callbacks to different musical mm-hmm. stuff and nothing else yeah. we talk about those because we have those listed but like even Chicago. the literally mm-hmm. written music yeah has snippets that are like oh my gosh i know exactly what that's referencing yeah. <laughs> so funny it's kind of like in something rotten yeah the whole a musical number is yeah which i think is so funny I that that happens, that happens so often <laughs> yeah. i think the difference is that something rotten is it's all all of the references are written in the script like that's yeah. the point of the show is yeah. to hold mm-hmm. many direct references um versus there's a couple in the script here but a lot of it is up to the choreographer and logan would listen to the music and find things that yeah. he wanted to reference it's also and then like them out. the newsies thing the yeah. boys are doing with yeah doing leaps and stuff with little poles and i'm like oh my god that's just, just like newsies mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's some um, some west side story moment uh, um there's a lot of chicago moments a lot a of chicago likes chicago we have fans Ooh. i love yeah. a good feather fan yeah. um, love it there's a there's a fiddler a fiddler reference <laughs> that um i'm gonna take a pause and talk about costuming with the fiddler reference um because i'm gonna go ahead and spoil that because we have bottle dancing hats wait <laughs> bottle hat dancers whatever it's called i don't know what it's called dancers with dancers hats with and hats bottles on top of the and hats. bottles and um i was told noel find three hats that match the vibe of the show and i i found them and the then our props director I don't know. <laughs> and then our props director glued on empty uh, mayonnaise jars because, you know, we can't actually have glass bottles on these boys' heads. Um, and he tried doing several things. I think this is really interesting, the progression of this. He tried putting um, colored lights in there because we wanted it to look like pee. Like they were dancing with pee bottles on their head. Oh, genius. Yeah, great. Loved it. Yeah. Um, so he put like little yellow fairy lights in there. That didn't work. He put cellophane in there, but it didn't read well on stage. Mm. And so last night, our opening night, he just put green water <laughs> in there. And so these boys are sloshing wow. around. And it's a wonder. That's but they so stayed funny. on their heads. It was a great time. There you go. It was really good. Yeah. It was awesome. really well done. Yeah. I remember hearing that conversation about they needed the added weight mm-hmm. over there. That's been... Side note, a really interesting thing you talk about reading. I think what I've gotten from from Rick, our director, hearing his notes a lot this show has been about like adjusting to space. Like mm-hmm. several times, he's been like, "Okay, this joke that we did, it read really really well in the studio, but it's not reading here, so it needs to be bigger, or we yeah. need to change it, or something." Um, and that's just been a really cool like little thing that I've been able to kind of learn about understanding how to make something read or what reads, what doesn't mm. interpreting that in space and adapting. Cause theater's Cause always I mean, changing. In college we <clears throat> rehearsed directly on the stage because yeah. Evangel doesn't have rehearsal space. No. Um, so that was really interesting coming out of college mm-hmm. and into different theater spaces much, yeah. of like the whole rehearsing in the studio and moving into mm-hmm. this yeah. performance. I didn't thought about that. That's a, that is a relatively new thing. It is for us at a college. Us, yeah. yeah. Like granted, I think about that and how it's read on stage because I'm thinking about makeup and costumes and things and how you can get away with stuff at a distance versus up close kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause last night I was sitting way back in the back of the theater and several of the things that I thought were totally substantial and able to be seen were not seen at all so mm. i'm like i'm gonna have to go and yeah re-dirty that shirt because i it just looks like a white shirt from here yeah yeah wild the good thing though is that most because of where the sound booth is right now most of the seating like that entire back half of the house doesn't yeah we're only selling open, seats from the sound booth uh, isn't open see. for seating but yeah so that i didn't like, have a ticket because i was it, just chilling so <laughs> But it is a really big, it is a really large space. Like, it's it's definitely, it's larger, I think, wider, if anything, it is than, wide. than the mm-hmm. Landers. It's very wide, yeah. Than what we, what we had, and also, it's, it's a larger space He's done a great job of lighting it as well. Lighting design is so good. Um, Those lighting cues are so good. I know. It's, it's a great time. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed 
we've unintentionally like he he told me the colors and the washes and things that he was going for at the beginning of the design process but i love how we've both independently designed things that vibe so well oh, together yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. our cladwell scenes and our ugc office scenes are both with this green theme and granted the green theme for me was added a lot later than the green theme for sure. him but it looks so it looks like we planned it and i love when that happens <laughs> I love in that. theater <laughs> green is for greed yeah and money and money 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 money, money. Anyways, sorry, side note. No, that's a really good segue because now we're going to talk about costuming and the process and everything. Um, So I don't think you've told us on this podcast yet your your kind of costuming process. My process? Yeah, your process. Well, I'm still a baby in the costuming Uh world, so I'm still honestly figuring out my process. Mm -hmm. But this has been the calmest process that I've had, and there's only been a few hiccups, which has been really nice. Um, I showed up to my first couple of production meeting meetings with the design team and our directors and stuff, um, which is some basic ideas. Like I had seen the show before and so I knew the vibe and stuff. Um, and Rick, our director provided a lot of reference material and stuff that he was looking at and things. And then he would tell me specifically, Hey, this is the vibe for this. And then since since the show's kind of not in a specific time setting, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily... This is really interesting. I was like, asking costumers this. If they sit down and outright draw the costume yeah. and then costume based on that, or if they go, which is what I've been doing the past few shows, this is the vibe... This is the vibe, and I make like a mood board with mm-hmm. like ideas and stuff, and then see what we have to yeah, fit to that fit vibe. That. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that we're doing for you're in town was okay. So Cladwell, Caldwell be Cladwell, bougie, rich man, dictator kind of vibe, and so I wanted him to look the crispest on stage yeah. and really cool. Um, and so I just had some some basic notes and stuff and then went through and looked at our costume stock and said, this suit is going to fit him so mm. well. And I want that. And I pulled it and then it was fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't sit down and draw him and draw out, it out in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like as one of the things that I should have done had, would probably as I had settled on decisions on my end of things communicated more with our directors about that but it was just quick timing and i totally forgot yeah. because it was a really fast turnaround it was a very fast turnaround mm-hmm. um because our tech week was the first time a lot of the costumes had been seen by the directors and so it was a lot of like actually i don't really like that Ooh. which is fine yeah. and very doable <laughs> very doable um and so from that point I we swapped some things around, which yeah. is nice because I didn't have this idolized design image in my mind that I was absolutely going for above all else. Sure. I just had some thoughts, and feelings, and vibes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Cool. Yeah, there was a couple of things where I absolutely did have an image in my mind. Like I wanted Cladwell in those white shoes. Sure. Because I said, those are some bougie shoes. Yep. He needs some bougie shoes. Um, the cops, like Nathaniel and Keith, are lockstock. I wanted them to have a very specific look because, mm-hmm. I mean, they have to play police officers. And then I didn't want them looking like early 1900s police officers, but I didn't want them looking like modern police officers. Sure. It's somewhere in the middle in there. Oh. Also, since it's a huge ensemble number, I also had to think, how can I dumb down this costume mm-hmm. for our ensemble to also have all the same yes. pieces. Yes. That was that yeah. was mm-hmm. interesting to do. Yeah. All the quick changes for the show was, were they took a while yeah. because it was just a lot of zippers and mm-hmm. buttons and things but it was Very good. Cool. It was a great I time. I realized last night looking in the mirror I was like alright what do I look like? If you've seen Home Alone. <gasps> I, was, I was thinking that! I was literally gonna say 80s, 90s cops. Yep. Harry's cop cop disguise in the in the beginning of the movie. That is exactly what you look like. I was looking in the mirror because, like, it's a you know, it's a typical looking guy. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, what do I look like? 
Harry was, from Home Alone. It was the <laughs> New York City police officers. That was the that was late eighties early nineties. jacket and everything. Yep, yep, yep. Um, that made me laugh. I looked last at night. Heath the other day and leaned over to our hair and makeup designer and said, "He looks like Barney Fife." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because he keeps Barney his Fife. hat to the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I actually keeps adjusting his hat because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another good segue. Um, a lot of the most, if not all of the characters in this show are very archetypal. Mm-hmm. Um, very, their their character is kind of set in stone. You know, you see it in a lot of stories. So they're bound to have very recognizable looks, mm-hmm. generally recognizable character traits. So how did you stay true to their archetypal? Um, character traits and looks and vibes and that kind of thing, but also still make it your own unique interpretation of the show. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, we always, when you say a word, there's usually something that pops into your mind Mm -hmm. first. And so when I was going through the script and writing down my thoughts and ideas and stuff, it was a lot of, okay, Cladwell bougie man mm-hmm. he needs some nice shoes he needs a crisp suit mm-hmm. um the cops they need to look scary and kind of greasy and mm-hmm. grimy and gross and so it was just thinking through that um hope is this beautiful daughter of this very rich man and she has to look like the heroine of the story mm-hmm. but she also has to fit into this time yeah period that we have created um her costumes were i think the most difficult for me because she does have to be the heroine and has to look a specific way and so it was finding things that didn't make her lean too far on the spectrum Mm. because she is this middle ground character who you know participates in the rebellion sure um and so it was finding like looks that made her look crisp but could also fit in with yeah the poor at the end wow yeah very cool yeah also a lot of the poor costumes like the poor ensemble costumes were all of the leftover costumes from the last time they did it and i just like took them in or let them out a little bit and put some patches and things on it to make it my own dang yeah it was a lot of fun yeah yeah that's very cool um i mean little sally wore the exact same dress as she did (laughs) 15 years ago funny oh my gosh i I didn't know that that's awesome yeah i think a lot of that worked to your advantage it did yeah a lot of work the design choices regarding that i remember hearing about that yeah that was really nice having a previous show to pull from rick was able to show me actually let me show you some pictures of the last time we did it i'd be like okay i'm heading in the right direction yeah that's awesome which is nice yeah um so getting into kind of more of the Mm nitty-gritty um like alterations and fittings and you had to distress some clothing Mm -hmm. for the show um how long does that take first of all and just (laughs) how do you do that because i have no idea where Um, i'd even start i'm still learning and i think in the future i will have a better process to do fittings and things um in the first few rehearsals, I took measurements of people just to get a general idea of people's mm-hmm. body shapes and sizes and stuff so that I could start pulling things and adjust sure. stuff. Um, I only did like one or two fittings after that before oh, nice. they wore it for dress rehearsals, which I probably nice. could have used a couple, a little more time yeah. to have people try things on and stuff. But it it was doable. It was very doable. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, for distressing, I really like using paint. Um, I know it's not the most permanent situation mm-hmm. because, you know, it's a lot easier to use dye and bleach and really actually adjust the fabric yeah. itself. Um, but I was on a time crunch. <laughs> and I just used acrylic paint and just... Awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, from... Kind of the kind of the rule in theaters that it doesn't have to look good up close. Uh-huh. It just has to look good from 30, oh, 40 yeah. feet away. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially this house that's like 10, 15 feet from the edge of the stage to the yeah. first row. Yeah. It's a huge front row. You, so you got lots I, of space um, to work with. For Bobby and Pennywise's jumpsuits, because mm-hmm. they're in UGC worker uniforms. Um, that was a lot of alterations on her suit to be able to because I don't want to put a female actress well act that's redundant i don't want to put an actress in 
a potato sack of a costume that's going to make her feel gross, Mm-mm. you know? But I wanted her in this jumpsuit. So when I fitted her the first time after I ordered this jumpsuit, because it fit her almost perfectly height-wise and width-wise, yeah. I did go in and take in the sides and, you know, kind of uh, thinned the legs out a little bit to give her mm-hmm. some shape. Um, nice. She tried it on the night of our first dress rehearsal. And she goes, Noelle, I'm sorry. They've added a dance move where I literally drop it like it's hot and I cannot squat <laughs> oh. in these pants anymore. And I go, no worries. And I took my seam ripper and just seam ripped the, all the leg seams that I had put oh. in. She was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, honey, don't, no, worry don't worry about it. My whole oh. thing is I, I don't want anything that I'm doing as a costumer to distract you or the yeah. audience from your performance yes. and you telling the story. Yes. I want to make sure that you are as comfortable and well-prepared and taken care of as I can yeah. do yeah. so that you can tell the story well. That was one of the things that I remember from um, our costume design class in college was that we did learn that the costumes shouldn't take away from the actual performance of the actor they should add to it but not add to it so much that like again the pendulum thing you can't have one extreme or the other it has to be Mm -hmm. in the middle like it has to add to the performance in a good way but not distract from it oh i brought a good job of that thank you yeah i brought up penny's costume because i had to just stress both of these um jumpsuits and i just ended up taking a light colored paint Mm -hmm. and like going over some of the like wear spots yeah. if you think about where hands will touch oh, yeah. on a garment um that's been really interesting to learn recently like through youtube videos and stuff mm-hmm. of thinking because i've been watching a lot of yep. conservation videos from like history museums and things um adam savage also did a video with like a reconstruction artist of things of like you think about how clothes hang in a closet where they'll all have like a shoulder mark where they just hang yeah. on a hanger and that's the only spot that they'll get yeah. rubbed or like in pockets and things and that was I love doing things like that uh-huh. and again that's it's really the cool. detail that if I was doing something for an up close performance I would do way differently than I did for sure. this performance because I mean sure. you're in the fox and it's a distance different but. yeah it's so, so fun very cool very thank cool. you maybe now we'll shift to Nathaniel and um acting things um because, yeah, it's just, it's different roles, so it's exciting to talk about. Um, you you want to tell them a little bit about your role, who you play, yes. and what you do? I play, uh, so there, we've already mentioned Officer Lockstock, mm-hmm. who is the, the narrator, kind of lead bit, and I play his trusty sidekick, Officer Barrel. You can put those two together. Um, <laughs> so many puns in the show. Um, yeah, so he is, he's just, he's, the again, the sidekick to Lockstock. Um, the cops in the show are very much the bad guys uh, working for Cloudwell, uh, enforcing the, they say enforcing the law. They really just enforce the urination laws. Um, <laughs> catching people peeing and hauling them off to urine town. Whatever, whatever that is much of the show is spent wondering what you're in town is um and so yeah we do that uh again si- sidekick vibes i i've played a very kind of enthusiastic newish guy on the job um but very like set in hmm. like has bought Cloudwell's message hook, line, and sinker. Dang. Is all in um, and very much despises this poor, despises Bobby Strong. I mean, I've put I've put a whole inner monologue back in my head that doesn't come out, but just to help me. Yep. Um, His first name is Kyle because the hat I have him in <laughs> has a piece of tape. Has a piece of tape in the top. Kyle said Kyle. Except <laughs> Kyle Barrel. Except Lockstock and I switched hats. Remember uh, during tech because his was too sorry. big. So I am no longer mine doesn't my new one doesn't have tape oh, in it. No. So you want me to swap the it's, tape? It's Kyle Lockstock now and Kyle just <laughs> Officer is my first name. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, yeah. 
I don't know what else you're going to ask me before I just well, spew on about my character. So. I am going to ask you the same question as I asked Noelle about um, all of the characters are archetypal and how did you stay true to that, but also create your own unique thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think Beryl had a lot of freedom, <laughs> I think. Definitely, uh, I was definitely not the focus of like the director's creation sure. early on. You know, sure. They're focused on... Lockstock and Bobby and Hope and Penny and all. Yeah. Um. So I had a lot of freedom to to come up with that. Um. So if if you heard the last episode, I talked about you know, um, I decided to go with a very, uh, greasy, f boy character, um, who is just gross and <laughs> and very full of himself, very confident that he is right and on yeah. the right side um but just really really gross in that um and like i was saying i put this whole kind of backstory in my head to help me out of saying like okay barrel seems like he's this character that is kind of new on the job new on the police force maybe like in his first year but like maybe eight or nine months in so like he knows the routine now sure. he knows what's he obviously sure. knows what's going on it's very clear but like maybe he's still a little bit green kind of thing and so then i had to think okay where was he before that and so i put this backstory in my head of like wow he was one of the poor <gasps> maybe he yes. maybe he knew bobby previously Ooh. and was like this boy gets all the good stuff like and just had this you know and none of this story comes out on stage but when we're having these big numbers on stage where lockstock and i are hauling bobby off or we're singing at bobby in the act one finale um that has provided me a wow. lot of source for some of the like Energy, anger and exactly, malice yeah. and anger towards the poor yep. of like, I used to be one of you guys and I hate you now. Ooh. Like you are so wrong. That kind of dang, that yeah. little kind of thing. Very like Javert esque self-righteousness without mm -hmm. Javert's like experience level. Tell us about your uh, character playlist that you made. I made a playlist. I started doing this. Uh, <laughs> He's so excited. <laughs> I, I was just I was responding to you. I was reacting to you. Acting. Um, acting. <laughs> I started doing this with just with my last show <clears throat> with oh. Phil in White Christmas. And actually, hold on a second. <laughs> I didn't know you made one for Phil. I didn't. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I get some liquid down my throat. Um... I was going to make one for Phil with White Christmas. And what I ended up just doing was um, I found a playlist on Spotify of 50s holiday uh, music. Yep. And so I just listened yep. to that because what I'm tr I, I think this is something I'm going to keep doing with future characters. So um, when I went, I went to Barrel and I, I, I try to think of just like, what does, what would this character listen to? Not just necessarily something that's like the same theme, but what would this character listen to? And then I stick my headphones in and I'm listening to that when I walk into the theater, when I'm putting on makeup, getting ready, it just kind of becomes part of my yeah, pre-show routine. Cool. So um, Beryl has a very, it's like an angsty rock, upbeat <laughs> angsty rock and roll kind yeah. of thing. Um, it started with Ludo, a lot of Ludo. Yeah. Uh, there is some older 80s well, I'm gonna get the decade wrong, but there's that old like classic mm -hmm. rock stuff of, you know, some 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 ACDC, Guns N' Roses, oh yeah, kind of stuff. Oh, that's yeah. just this kind of anything that's grungy and prideful. Um, a couple, a little bit of pop stuff. Did you leave in that Taylor Swift song? I did leave in that Taylor <laughs> Which Swift Taylor song. Which Taylor Swift song? I cannot say the name of it on this podcast because it is <gasps> oh, not okay. a family friendly name. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but it it's definitely a vibe <laughs> and a pop groove that Beryl would listen to. And so Amazing. <laughs> I Amazing. have listened to that. Um, and there's a Rihanna song on there. Anything with attitude, basically. Yeah, awesome. Um, I just kind of pictured Beryl leaning up against like a wall with his headphones in just jamming vibing to He's stuff vibing. So. on his like mp3 player on his oh. MP, yeah definitely yeah, like oh, an yeah. mp3 or something or like a, like a uh, walkman yeah a walkman oh, yeah. like on a mixtape uh -huh. yeah so much yeah but all in all the, <laughs> all in all the inspiration for barrel kind of it, it, i should add a, a walkman to your 
police belt. That would be hysterical. I've got enough things trying to pull my pants down mid-show right now. <laughs> Including Lockstock. What? What? No, no, no. Okay. No. Uh, speaking of comedy yeah. and funny things, the whole, the whole thing is show is funny. Right? Like the whole every show is other line hysterical. Yeah. is yeah. comedic. How have you and the other actors, like, kept that fresh? Like, how do you... <laughs> How do you how do you just keep it not want, like flat the whole time? Because yeah. I mean, it's funny, but at the same time you have to do new things with it and fresh things with it or else it's just gonna be Yeah. Before you the answer that, thankfully, me, Mo, Logan, and Rick all still find it hysterical. So we're Amazing. still cackling Amazing. in the audience. That and honestly, <laughs> I was going to say, that's been really helpful because yeah, Having other directors that I've fuel. worked with, they get used to the show and they're not as vocal, or especially during tech and stuff, they're sure. focused on other things. Sure. So it's been really nice that our <laughs> team is still laughing. I mean, they, they, so good. they're laughing at fewer and fewer spots uh, sure. but, because sure. they're used to it. But it, that, has been, that has been very helpful. Um, again, something that I... I wouldn't say I quite grasped it during White Christmas, but I, I figured it out because of White Christmas, um, is how to handle that kind of comedy acting. Um, a, a big thing, I think the biggest thing with just any sort of comedy acting is that the, the character and the actor has to be dead serious about it. Um, yeah. You can't you can't anticipate that it's funny or go into a bit thinking this is a funny bit. Whatever you're doing has to be dead serious for your character. Yeah, I like, think about this that is reality. During, this uh, is... Don't be the bunny. Mm-hmm. When you guys are dancing, literally hopping yeah. around on stage and everyone is dead panned. Just... Yeah. Yeah. Cause we have to be dead. Se- and that was part of with that scene with don't be the bunny. What Logan, <laughs> what, what, what Logan told us was this this needs to be like this is a routine for you guys. Yeah. Like yeah. you've sung this song to <laughs> you you you've sung this song to us you know new UGC candidates before. Like play it like a routine. Dang. So like that. Like I even like will mouth to like uh to to Lockstock or something mm-hmm. like oh, I remember when they did this for me like kind ah. of thing. Um, that's the thing. Like it has to be very serious. Yeah. For you. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. As far as keeping it fresh, you know, it, and I think since we're in first weekend right now, it will, that's something that we figure out and learn along the way because you can never, you always have to listen and be ready Mm -hmm. for the laughter and the comedy, but you never know where the audience is going to laugh. If they're going to laugh, you never know. Literally from preview night to opening night, laughter was pretty much in the complete opposite pockets. I was going to talk oh, about that. That was so interesting. We wow. had a big group of high the, school yeah, theater the students. Missouri Fine Arts kids. They came to see the show for preview night and the things that they laughed at versus the things that our older audience last night laughed at. Wildly yeah. different. Like it was almost complete mirror image. Wow. The pocket it was thing. fascinating. Um, what a commentary on generational <laughs> yeah. humor. Yeah. Between it, everything's been laughed at. Now. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like you, you have to just listen and anticipate for that because you never know. And it, you may have a good audience. Wow. You may have a bad audience. Mm-hmm. We had that yeah. again with White Christmas, especially the, the range oh, of audiences yeah. that we had was so crazy. Oh man. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is just, you know your track and your stuff 100% down. It needs to be second nature and you commit to it fully. And then you just have to be listening for what's going on out there of whether or not they give you something to feed into. Mm -hmm. Wow. And man, sometimes audiences can just be (laughs) (laughs) dead. It's really nice to see the cast being able to feed off the Mm -hmm. audience energy though, especially with preview Mm -hmm. after you know yeah. you perform it so much yep. and then dress rehearsals it's yep. still the same old mm-hmm. crew yep. that's there and so to actually get an audience Man. and to see them perform like yeah. they lit up a it good so audience good. energy literally changes the show mm-hmm. it changes yeah. the way you perform completely. yeah i mean i'll get ideas literally in the two shows that we've done with an audience like i'll get a different uh on stage a split second different idea for how yeah. to deliver a line or how to do a bit based on how the audience has responded like Dang. that i that, like i've done it the same way the last two weeks of rehearsal uh-huh. but 
suddenly this audience is feeding an energy that sparks an idea that's so or cool. something and you you might play with it and it may read it might not read and you but figure that's out live the theater. show yeah. yeah yeah also that you're never done figuring out how to do the show like mm-hmm. once you we have three weekends of show and how we how i did it week one versus how i'm going to do it week three is going to be different, different because you yep. the audience is mm-hmm. your big test of is this working yeah and so you figure it out you keep yep. growing very cool mm-hmm. very cool well that ends our chat for today um no i just thought we'd run a good stopping point because we could talk forever could. <laughs> could um so you're in town runs for three weekends um by the time this comes out i think it'll have there'll be one, week it, there'll be one, one weekend max. left so you do not want to miss your chance to see it because it's, it's hilarious and it's gonna it's, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Um, so it runs through July second. Um, you can get tickets at springfieldcontemporarytheater.org. Um, and I just highly recommend that. Support a local theater, please. Um, that's that's, that's um, theater, R E. Theater art. T H E A T R E. Yes, not E R. Um, if you want to get to the correct website, you just Google it. Just Google. Yeah, just Google Springfield Contemporary. Google Urine Town. There's probably not that many productions of it going on right now. <laughs> probably not. There turns um, out there's thousands. Urine Town, Springfield. Everybody's doing it. It's been done a lot in Springfield. It apparently, has been. Apparently, this is a really good like, location. Drury has done it. MSU has MSU's done, done it. it. Central High School Central has High done School it twice. Twice. Yeah. Now SCT. What does that has say about twice? Springfield? <laughs> we like our pee. And we're, town? Yeah. <laughs> we're politically minded. I love Ooh. my city. <laughs> very oh, much. I love Springfield. And I love you. Very, very much. much. <laughs> All right. So next episode is our season finale. Woo! Oh! It's going to be good. We're going to be talking about the... Um, the new seasons. upcoming yeah. theater seasons in the community it's gonna be really fun we're so excited so please tune in for that um i think we're done yay okay yeah uh, uh, a couple other shows that are that oh, are right. coming Sorry. up as well um msu's if you're in the springfield area msu's tent theater season uh is open with uh, anything goes yes. which is running through july 1st and then right on the heels of that july 7th through 14th they have I, I wrote this down really badly. Baskerville, a Sherlock mystery, some sort of Sherlock mystery mm-hmm. thing Spooky. running two weekends after that. So uh, check that out. Yeah, that is a, that's a new they just got that built in all. So this is their first. Yeah, their first season with that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, this is very cool. So, yeah. Nice. All righty. Thank you for joining Thanks. us and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Thank You Places podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. For more information and to stay up to date, check out Thank You Places on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Thank You Places Troop. That's T-R-O-U-P-E. Once again, thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon.